You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13. Thank you Lord Jesus. Say I will change the world. Hallelujah. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you because the entrance of your word gives light, and it gives understanding to the simple. Thank you because in the beginning was the word. The word was his God, and the word was God. And the same was his God in the beginning, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men, and that light shines in darkness. And, dark, and darkness cannot comprehend it. We pray that as your word is taught today, Lord, it will shine in the dark corners of our hearts and bring illumination in the name of Jesus. The word dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we pray that as your word is taught today, we would behold Jesus as you would have us see him in the name of Jesus. We pray that as the word is taught today, that Jesus is glorified and we are edified. In Jesus' name. All right. The scripture we read says, These all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them from afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and he says and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth something happens when the believer comes into a full knowledge of what God did in the person's life when you embrace and confess, not just, you know when it says confess there, it's not, that, it's not just that they spoke it with their mouths, but they came to agree. This, the word confess is homologia or homologio, which means to say as have, as have been said, to agree with in speaking. So they confess, which means that they agreed that they were strangers and pilgrims here on earth. Your faith journey truly begins when you come to the realization that you are a stranger and a pilgrim here. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are what? A stranger and a pilgrim here on earth. The definition of the word pilgrim is a stranger on a journey to a holy place. You might pass through certain places in your journey to the holy place but your journey does not end in the certain places you pass through does that make sense to get here when you left home you passed many people's houses is that correct you passed many places is that correct you even passed many churches too is that correct ah but you got here why 
this is where you were coming to. Is that true? And so, if you will make the most of your Christianity, this must be your confession. Stranger and pilgrim here on earth. We read, we many times read all the stories. You know, this is Hebrews chapter 11. And you read the stories of Abraham. You read mighty stories. Mighty stories of mighty men. And one funny thing is, when we read all those stories in the scripture, how Abraham hoped against hope. The father of faith. You read the story of how it was time to sacrifice his son and by faith he received a sacrifice and did not offer up his own son. And then you think to yourself, I wish I could be like Abraham. We place Abraham on a pedestal. What we don't realize is that Romans chapter 15 verse 4 tells us that the scriptures were written for our learning. They were written as an example to us. Which means that when you read Abraham's story, the writer of Hebrews tells you the mindset that sponsored his behavior. Are you getting it? There was a mindset that sponsored the way Abraham behaved. There was a mindset that, listen, if you want to change a man, you change the way he thinks. Is that correct? If you change the way a man thinks, you will change his life. So if you want to change your life, if you want to be more like them, you must think how they thought. When you read what many people have called the hall of faith or the great hall of fame of faith, Hebrews 11, and you have all those stories about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all of them, Samson, Deborah, you have all of those stories. And then you say, wow, this was nice. They were such great people. You must realize that if you will write your own faith story, you will think how they thought. Listen, let me tell you something. Many people in scripture, their story was, and this person's father begat this person, and his number of years were 900 and so so years, and he died. Not one impact in the course of history. Not one. And many of many people, their story is going that way now. Let me tell you, history is unforgiving to people who don't make attempts to impact it. Do you understand? So many Christians, their faith story is and omolade was born again in the year 2012 and she went to school and she finished school and she got a job in UNESCO and uh, she had three children and she died. What did you do with the Holy Ghost that was put inside of you? Listen, what I'm teaching you today, I can argue that it will be the most important teaching I will do this year. Because when you stand before God, you need to understand that when you stand before God, God is not going to ask you that you were a lawyer, but I, I wanted you to become a doctor, but you go and do law. You should have been a doctor. He's not going to ask you any of those. He's not going to say, there was a gym next to your house. Why are you fat? 
God's not going to ask you any of those questions. He's going to ask you one question. I gave you my spirits. What did you do with him? What are you going to do with the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you? In every family, there are sons and there are children. The children are the responsibility of the family. The family is the responsibility of the sons. Do you understand the difference? Now, here is the irony. You can have 40-year-old children and 16-year-old sons. Is that true? Yes. You can have 40-year-old children. Every family has the black sheep, the one that is still in his mother's house, eating his mother's food and bringing women into his mother's house. And then when it's time to go out, he will ask for pocket money from his mother, his 40 years. And then you have children who, they just went to the university, learned how to do something, now they're sending money home. It might not be much, but it is something. Maturity is responsibility. And in this world, the mindset that will sponsor your responsibility mindset. See, the responsibility mentality you should have is not, oh, let me be responsible so that God will bless me. If that is how you think you are a child. Because even in families, it is children that do things for reward from their parents. When you grow up and become an adult, you do things because they should be done. Is it correct? When you were young, how they motivated you to sweep the parlor was if you sweep the parlor, we'll buy sweets for you tomorrow. So you wake up very early in the morning, then you sweep the parlor. Then you finish sweeping, they've not woken up, they've not come out, so you wait. The dead, you just keep it one side. Once they unlock the door, you start packing it. So that they will see that you swept. You're pretending like you did not do it, you did it. And then what happens is, ah, you swept the parlor, yeah, good child, take you are still a child. It gets to an age where if you are doing that, your mother will say at your age, we have to tell you to clean your house. He says, they saw from afar off, he says they embraced it and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. Many Christians are too worldly to live an impact in the world. Many many we want to belong so much and it is such a problem we want to belong so much we want to fit in so much do you realize that you don't have to fit in it's a problem and the funny thing is the devil knows so he keeps giving you, he keeps motivating you to fit in. It must change. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, sir. You must change. You must change. God did not, light does not fit in. Light does not blend in. Light is offensive. Do you understand? Light is offensive. Light doesn't try to fit in. When light comes, everything, com- it, everything will conform to light. light do-, do you get it? 
if a room is dark and you put on the light, the light doesn't shine and say, oh, I'm too bright, I'm too bright, then reduce itself. No, it just shines. Do you understand? If it is too bright for you, go and buy sunglasses. Do you, you don't tell the light to reduce your intensity. Stop trying to fit in your lights. Praise the Lord. Say, I am light. Good. You are light. Stop trying to fit in. Jesus said, you are the city set on a hill. Oh. You know, there's something Jesus said. He says, he says, upon Mount Zion, he says, there shall be deliverance. What many, many people think that what that scripture means is if you go to church, that's where deliverance will happen. No. What Jesus was prophesying, because Mount Zion is used figuratively to refer to the assembly of, or the gathering of believers. Do you understand? So, um, you read Hebrews, for you have not come to Mount Sinai, but unto Mount Zion. Do you understand? So Mount Zion is a gathering of believers. When he said that upon Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, he's not talking about uh, casting out devils. He's saying that the people that will liberate the world are in Zion. He's talking about you and I. What kind of a liberator are you if you get into the place that needs the liberation and then you blend into the problem? kind of salt would you be if they put you inside food and you cannot make the food salty do you understand that water dumps down everything but when you add salt the salt stands out so what kind of salt are you if you, if there is no salt if you are not salty a city set on a hill that cannot be hid every listen every illustration Jesus gave about the believer made the believer stand out he says I send you a sheep amongst wolves you are not a wolf you are sheep you are not a sheep in wolves clothing you are sheep do you understand you are different a city set on a hill there are other cities down but you you're on top of the hill this is the interesting thing it is the city on the hill that lights every other thing under the hill do you get it? If I put a light here, the light here will light everything under. The light under does not light the hill. So don't come down the hill because you want to blend in. And there is a mindset that sponsors that, sponsors that impact lifestyle. It is this. We are strangers and pilgrims on earth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You are a stranger on a journey to a holy place. You are a stranger on a journey to a holy place. There is biblical precedence. Listen, I said it before. I said it is arguable that this is the most important teaching I will do this year. There is biblical precedence. In fact, the Bible precedence for your lifestyle is to abandon all and follow Christ. Hear me. If there is anything in your life, literal or figurative, that you cannot live for the cause of Christ, you are not doing it well. Should I say it in another way? That if time comes tomorrow and the options are Christ or social standing, you should be willing in a heartbeat to let go of social standing for the cause of Christ.
Do you understand? Yes, if it is Christ or money, without thinking, you pick Christ. Christ above everything. Christ above all else. Christ alone. Christ is king. There was a story in the, in the New Testament. There was a young man. He came to meet Jesus. And he said to him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus said to him, um, keep the commandments. And the young man said, all the commandments I have kept from my youth. So this person was not an irresponsible man. Amen. Because the truth is that not many people can say it. I can't say it. Many of you can say it. That all the commandments I have kept from my youth, including lying, thou shalt not lie. I have kept it from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and said, that's worthy of commendation. Okay. Next up, sell everything you have and follow me. Now, did Jesus really want him to sell everything? No. Jesus was revealing a heart problem. What was the heart problem? The Bible says when Jesus told him, he hung his head, turned around, and walked away. Because the Bible says he had a great many possessions. He had so much. The problem wasn't that he had so much in, in possession. The problem was that the possession had so much of him. Do you get it? Yes. He had defined himself so much by all of those things that selling it meant to him to lose himself. So he would rather lose eternal life than lose those possessions. And then Jesus said, it will be harder for a rich man to enter into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Whichever eye of the needle you say it is, whether it's eye of a needle literal or eye of the needle where they wash the camel, it is a difficult thing to do. Now, when he said it would be hard for a rich man, he wasn't talking about people who have money. It took someone who had money to bury Jesus. Do you remember Joseph of Arimathea? It took someone who had money to do all of those. Jesus did not have a problem with money. His ministry, they collected money, did you know? Because Judas Iscariot was the treasurer. What do you think he was storing? Herbs? Judas Iscariot was treasurer. John told us he used to steal from the treasury. If there was a treasury, there was money in the treasury. Which means Jesus' ministry collected money. Amen? Amen. That's just a side note for those of you that say, Jesus never collected offerings. You lie. But then, he didn't have a problem with people who had money. His issue was people who let money have them. Jesus doesn't have a problem with people who have fame. The problem is with people who, who let fame have them. When you begin to consider changing your belief system to suit money, fame, societal status, your comfort, you are in trouble. Because you are beginning to forget that you are a stranger and a pilgrim on earth. Do you understand? You are very similar to someone on a journey. You get to a village, you are passing through that village and in that village they are throwing a party and the party is really nice. So what do you do? You abandon the journey you are on and settle for the village. It's what many believers do. 
And so, when you read their faith story, it's very short. He was born, he lived, he died. No impact, nothing. Listen, as a believer, you must come to that point, and today is that point, where you realize, like 2 Corinthians 15 says, um, 5 says, that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth. When you realize he died for all, he says, they which live should henceforth. That is from here going forward, henceforth no longer live for themselves. But unto him which died for them and rose again. Praise the Lord. If you haven't come to this point in your walk with God, I'm sorry, but you haven't started. Because he didn't say he died for all, so that they which be mature should henceforth no longer live for themselves. No. To be a Christian is to stop living for yourself. Praise the Lord. Next verse, verse 16. It says, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Verse 17. For if any man be in Christ, next verse, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18. And all things are of God, who has um, who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and had given unto us the ministry. So every one of us has been given a ministry of reconciliation. You need to understand, whether you like it or not, when you accepted the life gave, um, Jesus Christ gave you, you accepted a responsibility to give that life to someone else. Do you understand? He says, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. In the New Testament, the Holy Ghost came down from heaven only once. In the upper room. And he entered into man. And every other time anybody else was filled by the Spirit, he was filled from another man. Do you know how powerful that is? So, you can now understand why when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he said, I've given you power to forgive sins. Anybody you forgive is forgiven. What did he mean? Did he mean that if you say, I forgive you, then God has forgiven the person? No. What he meant is that you have the power to give the Holy Ghost to another person, so much so that the person's sins are forgiven in the sight of God. Say impact. Impact. That's what it is. He says, he has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen, there is a wide drift between God and man. And standing right there in the middle of God and man is you. If men don't get to God, it's your fault. Do you get it? Because from God's end, he has done what he needs to do. He has sent his son to die. Many of you, you watched The Passion of the Christ. You saw movies about the death of Jesus Christ. And when you watch it, you cry. 
Oh, such pain, such suffering. And yet, in your life, you do not acknowledge the pain and suffering of the Christ. It's a problem. Paul said that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. To know him is to know the fellowship of his suffering. Do you understand it? To know Jesus is to preach Jesus. Because when you then realize that all that you saw in that movie, The Passion of the Christ, or any other, re any other reenacting of the re um, crucifixion of Jesus, all that you saw would be useless. All that Jesus went through would be useless if you don't preach. Do you know how serious that is? That there is a man in the midst of the COVID-19 vaccine, he had the cure in his body and he gave his life for that cure to be synthesized. They made it. But the issue now is for people to share it. And so somebody has died to end the plague, but people still die of the plague. Because the people to whom the dispensing of the solution was given refused to dispense. That's who you are if you don't preach the gospel. So woe be I if I don't preach the gospel. Something is wrong with me if I don't preach Jesus. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Verse 19 now. Everybody read together, one, two, go. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had done what? If people don't hear, you read Romans chapter 10, how can they be saved if they don't hear the gospel? Romans chapter 10 says that. How can people be saved if they, if they don't ever hear the gospel? You read, um, you read in places where it is impossible to be saved and be a Christian if the gospel isn't preached to you. And so, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That is what God is doing. But if the message of reconciliation does not go out, then the world that he is trying to reconcile to himself will not be reconciled. Show me verse 20. Verse 20, verse 20. It, you know when people say no pressure, verse 20 puts a lot of pressure. It says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You may not understand that, but he explains himself. He says, as though God did beseech you by us. So when you are speaking to the unbeliever, to that person who doesn't have faith about God, Paul says God is beseeching the person by you. You are God's voice to that person. Let me say it in another way. You are the expression of God's love to that person. Hear me and hear me well. You have work to do. Praise the Lord. Say, I have work to do. Listen, let me tell you something. Women are marginalized in society. That's very true. And as a Christian, 
if you have a burden on your heart, not just burden, but you're enlightened enough to lend a voice or you have a platform that would help even the scale so that women are no longer marginalized in society, you ought to, is your responsibility. But it doesn't matter how many women you bring to equity and equality in society, if you do not preach the gospel to them, you haven't helped them. I use that example because it is as extreme as it gets. Let me say it in another way. I can gather food that feeds 10,000 people. Go to Makoko. You know Makoko? I will go there and feed everybody. But if I don't preach the gospel, I haven't helped them. Do you know why? Because the woman that I freed from um, oppression and male dominance and all of that will die. She too will die. Do you get? I will die. Death is the inevitable destiny of all men. And when she dies, it won't matter if she was a boss lady or if she was a slave. When she dies, only one thing will matter. Did she receive the gift of Jesus Christ or not? If she did not, everything she did on the earth is nullified. Everything. I want you to think about it. There are works that you do that when, when they stand before God, it will burn. <laughs> it will reduce to ash. That's what the Bible says. It will reduce to ash. So you go to God and say, I ran an orphanage. And in my orphanage, we rescued 300 babies. And God says, that's nice. How many of them did you get saved? And then you say, not many. And then God shows you, see 300 of them in hell burning. What exactly did you do? Oh God, we had an outreach every other month. Third Saturday of every month, we'll gather food. We'll go to the beggar's colony and give them food. And then God says, that's so amazing. You had a very kind heart. I commend you. But how many of them did you save? You say, um, you know, I didn't want to make it uncomfortable. You say, I know you didn't want to make it uncomfortable. But look down there. Do you remember that guy? You gave him food 300 times. But now, he will never get to enjoy the pleasure that comes from being satisfied because you refuse to preach the gospel to him. I was head girl in school. I was the head of student union in my, in my university. I was class prefect, class chaplain. If the gospel is not preached, there is no impact. True impact happens only by the gospel. Listen, you need to understand, I haven't said that you shouldn't feed the poor. Have I said that? No. I'm saying in all of those things, make sure the gospel is preached. Do you get it? Praise the Lord. You, you, you drive by, you see prostitutes on the road and your heart burns for them. Look at this young girl selling her body because she's hungry. Let me take her off the streets. Let me give her a trade to learn. You train her, she learns a trade. She starts doing something. Listen, you have done a Christian thing. You have done well. But all of that work will be useless if you never took it upon yourself 
to preach the gospel. Say, I will preach the gospel. Of what use is it that you are the richest man in your city? You are the richest man in your community. If the gospel is not preached because of your wealth, this is what we've been teaching all month. Of what use is it that God changed the story or blessed you with something or increased your level or gave you social media presence or gave you some influence amongst your friends if that influence is not used for the gospel? It's useless. What's the use of your boat if Jesus cannot stand in it? What? What? You will be like that servant to whom one talent was given and he refused to put it to good use. So what did he do? He went to hide the talent. God gave you a platform so that his name will be preached through that platform. But you said, no, I can't do that. So you hid the talent. You kept the platform away from the gospel. Praise the Lord. Say, I will preach the gospel. And Jesus taught us how. He didn't just tell us to preach the gospel. Jesus taught us how to make impact. Give me Matthew chapter 28. We'll read from verse um, 18 to 20. Listen. Allow God make a name for himself in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can you hear what I'm saying? Allow God make a name for himself in your life. And how God makes a name for himself in your life is not just that he blessed you with money. Do you know why I'm saying all of this? Because this year God will bless you with so much money. Say amen. amen. God will bless you with so much money. Listen, but when you are blessed, you will know what to do with it. Are you getting what I'm saying? God will bless you with so much opportunity. But when it comes, you will know what to do with it. You will squander it. Many of us squander influence. Many of us squander opportunity. And Jesus came and said unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Listen. Power has been given. Opportunity has been given. He didn't squander it. He gave an instruction. Next verse. Go ye therefore into all the earth and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Go ye therefore. The therefore is there to show you that the power that he received the, the usefulness of that power is for the disciples to go. Are you following? The power that Jesus said, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The usefulness of that power. He doesn't need it. Do you know Jesus does not need all power to be given to him? He's already God. He knows that all power is his own. This declaration he was making, he wasn't making it for himself. He was making it for you. So he said, on the strength of this accomplishment, go therefore. Listen, 
If you don't go, you have wasted resources. God will hold you accountable. I don't know. Our generation no longer finds that interesting. That you will stand before God and he will ask you questions. Listen, he must put the fear of the Lord in your heart every day. Do you hear me? It must put what? Sometimes I'm tired and it's time to prepare for sermons and I'm like, maybe I've preached this topic before. I will just go and wing it and then I remember God will hold you accountable. So you will go and wing it and then God will ask you, there was somebody I wanted to touch with this, but because you didn't prepare, you didn't write it, you didn't know it, you went there, you said nonsense, you went home. The person was not touched. Explain yourself. What do I say to him then? I was tired. And so... Some of us have become so worldly. So, let me tell you proof of what I am saying. If now, as I'm talking, the thought of you evangelizing to people, not that it scares you, but you think to yourself that if my friends see me evangelizing, they'll be ah, ah, ah. If you think that, you need to change. There is no higher calling, there's no greater honor than to bow and kneel before your throne. And I'm amazed by your glory, embraced. By your mercies, O oh Lord, I live to worship you. There is no, there is no higher, there's no greater than to bow and kneel before your throne I am amazed I'm amazed by your glory embraced by your mercies oh Lord I live to Hallelujah. Let that be the story of your life. That no greater honor will be or will you ever have than to bow and worship. And the effulgence of your worship is the gospel you preach to people. The, the overflow of that worship culture is the gospel preached to people. Praise the Lord. So how did Jesus teach us to make impact? Number one, take advantage of spiritual authority through prayers. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go ye therefore. Take advantage.
Listen, when was the last time you prayed for someone that was lost? Many of us brag, ah, my prayers, they work. But you have never once thought to use it in the direction of your uncle. Or your sister. Or your brother. But your prayers, they work. And they are still not saved. Take advantage. Can you hear me? Yes. Take advantage of spiritual authority through prayers. There's a quick Bible study I want us to do. First John chapter 5. We'll read from verse 10 to 17. He that believeth not God has made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. Next verse. He says, and this is the record that God had given unto us eternal life and this life is in his son. Next verse. He says, and he that hath faith in the Son has life. And he that hath not faith in the Son of God does not have life. Verse 13. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Say, I have eternal life. Good. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Verse 14. Everybody read verse 14 together. One, two, go. Was he talking about praying for a car and a house in this verse of scripture? One good way you will know that's not what he was talking about was what led up to it. What was he talking about before this verse? What? What? Good. So it would be weird that, I mean, just imagine as I'm preaching about evangelism and impact, and now stop and just say, that's why if you want to marry, you open your eyes well, okay? Then I go back to evangelism. Won't you be like, what just happened? Right? Good. So he didn't just punctuate his teaching to teach you how to ask God for a car and receive it. Do I believe that you should pray for a car? Ha, yes, so. You better pray. But that's not what is teaching you here. You know, we always use this scripture in prayer. And this is the confidence that if we ask anything according to his will. We pray, we say this all the time. But that's not what it means. What was he talking about? He said, these things I have written to you so that you will know that you have eternal life. Why? Because if you ask for eternal life, eternal life is according to his will. You have it. But there's something else interesting. He wasn't just talking about asking for yourself. Next verse. He says, if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Next verse. Do you see this now? So, this is the confidence we have. That anything we ask of him, he hears us. And if he hears us according to his will, we know that if he hears us, that we will have what we ask for. Therefore, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall do what? Why? Because we know that if we ask what will happen, God will hear. And if he hears what will happen, praise the Lord. 
what will happen? He will, he will give you what you have asked for. Therefore, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death. How many of you have heard me teach on apostasy before? Uh-huh. So, okay, for those of you who haven't heard, I can't do that teaching now. I promise I can't. It's too long. Um, you can listen to it. It's Hebrews, um, explaining Hebrews 6. It's on, it's on the Google Drive. But then for those of you, the very, 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 very abridged version of it is that the sin of apostasy is, this, is the sin that is unto death. That is um, the willful rejection of the gospel and the participation in trying to get others not to accept it. That's the sin of apostasy. When you willfully reject the gospel and then not only did you reject it, you are trying to get other people to reject it too. That's the sin of that's what the Bible calls the unforgivable sin. Do you understand? It's not that if you speak in tongues where the Holy Ghost is not leading you to speak in tongues, it's the unforgivable sin. That's not the unforgivable. Children speak gibberish all the time. Are they all going to hell? Do you understand? A lot of people are looking at me like they don't get. Matthew chapter 12, when Jesus talked about the unforgivable sin, what happened? What was the story that led up to it? Jesus performed the miracle. The Pharisees knew that the miracle Jesus performed, only the Messiah could have performed it. I've taught you before that there are miracles in the Bible that only the Messiah did. An example was the casting out of devils. Before Jesus came, nobody in the Bible ever cast out devils, right? Right? Uh -huh. Another one is um, the healing of a leprous Israelite. Nobody ever did that. Opening of a deaf ear, nobody ever did that before Jesus came. They are called the Messianic miracles. And the opening of a blind eye, nobody ever did that. So Jesus had just casted out a devil in Matthew chapter 12. And um, the Pharisees looked at him and said, oh, he's casting out the demon by demons. Why? Now, they knew that for him to cast out the demon, he had to be the Messiah. Do you understand? And they also knew that demons can't cast out demons. Do you understand? But because they didn't want the Israelites to believe on him as the Messiah, they said he was casting out a demon by demons. So Jesus said two things to them. He said, number one, if I cast out demons by demons, who do your sons cast them out by? What was he saying to them? Your sons have never done it before. You have never done it before. So if you can postulate that I can cast out demons by demons, why haven't you done it? Right? Then number two, he now said, all sins sinned against the Father will be forgiven. All sins sinned against the Son will be forgiven. But all sins sinned against the Spirit will not be... What was the sin that they sinned? They knew, refused to acknowledge, and were trying to lead other people astray. Does that make sense? So the sin against the Holy Ghost was not that they spoke in tongues wrongly or laughed when he was speaking in tongues. Amen? Amen. Uh -huh. So go back to 1 John 5... Thank you. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life. Look at this. If the man should ask, God will give him life. He says, this is for them that do not sin unto death. He says, there is a sin unto death, which I have just explained to you. He says, I do not say that you shall pray for that one. That's different. Maybe I will do a teaching on apostasy during the Liberty Bible course. I will do a more... Teach a, a more robust teaching on, on that during the Liberty Bible course. But he says, I'm not saying you should pray for that, but you see an unbeliever, someone who is just living life the way he wants to live it, he's, not, he just, he's just living life. So what do you do in that kind of a scenario? He said, ask. Praise the Lord. What did God say you should do? So there is an unbeliever around you, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your gate man. What do you do? That's the first step. 
Spiritual authority has been given to you. Take advantage of it by praying. Praise the Lord. While I'm speaking, I want you to open your books. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart or think through it. I want you to write down three names of people that you are going to ask for. Three names. Turn to the back of your book. If you don't have a book, use your smartphone. But make sure you write down three names, three people around you. Around you. It might be your father, it might be your cousin, it might be your brother. Three people around you that you will ask for. Some people have never, not once, have they ever prayed for a lost person before. Not once. How selfish are you? How can you have the solution that the world needs and you don't apply it? Not once. All of that is going to change. Three names. Write them down. Some of you already have a list. Thank God. But for those that don't have lists, you write those three names down. This is my cousin. I know I love the guy. We always have fun together. But man, this guy needs to meet Jesus. We all know someone that needs to meet Jesus. Yes, we all know. Write three of them. If you don't know how to three, write the ones you know. But write three people down. Some of you know more than three. If I ask you to write a whole classroom, you can do it. You just think to yourself that, ah, must come 200 level. The entire set, maybe only like one person. The rest of them need to meet Jesus. I'm serious. I sound like I'm joking, but I mean what I am saying. Jesus said, if you see a brother sin is sin, which is not, he said, ask, ask, pray for him, ask. Pray for him, ask. What many people don't understand is, we think that how you get people to be saved is you talk to them now, that they change your ways now. Do you realize that um, um, that unbelief is a spiritual condition? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. What did he do? Come on, what did he do? So, it doesn't matter how much you shine light at the eyes of a blind person, the blind person will never see. Do you understand? Yes. If I blindfold you well, it doesn't matter how much light I will shine on your face. You might feel the intensity of the light, but you will never see. Is that true? Some of you, as I'm saying now, is making sense to you why your cousin acts the way he does or the way she does. That it might not matter how many miracles they see happen. Even in their own personal lives, they'll still not become Christians. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded their eyes. He says, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 
You know, this scripture is why you don't preach the gospel by your lifestyle. Some people will say that if I just, if I just be a Christian, somebody will see me as a Christian and say, hmm, I love the way you do your things. I'm here too. You want to be a Christian. He is blind. Do you understand? He would never see it. All those arguments you'll be arguing on Twitter with blind people, do you realize how futile most of it is? They are blind. They will never see it. So you start first by doing your work in the place of prayer. Father, open his eyes. Open his eyes. Some of you, you know what I'm saying. You had that family member. He, he just woke up one day and said, come, tell me about Jesus. By himself. Raise your hand if it has happened to you before. Good. Just, just call you say, come, sit down. You're always going to church. And I like the way it looks. So tell me about Jesus. Listen, have you, you've been going to church for years. They never called you aside. But one day God opened his eyes. Father, open his eyes. Open her eyes. In the name of Jesus. Soften their hearts. Let the gospel enter. Listen, every metaphor for the unbeliever teaches you that they cannot... You, you don't use logic to save people. The Bible calls their heart hardened. Their hearts hardened. It says it's like stone. Like stone. No matter how much water you pour on stone, the stone will not become soft if it is stone. Do you understand? It is stone, so it will still be stone. Oluma rock has been standing there. No matter how, the amount of rain that has fallen in this world, that rock will not one day dissolve into the... It's stone. It takes more than logical reasoning to break the heart of an unbeliever. Surely, logical reasoning is a vehicle through which you can convey the message. But make sure prayers. Because it's, it's prayer that will shatter that heart. So, all those ones that your uncle will tell you, give me proof. And then you too, you now start googling for proof. Sometimes you just indulge them, give them one proof, two proofs, just so that they will know that you are not stupid, you know what you believe. And when you finish, you go inside your room. Father, open his eyes. Let him see. Do you understand? That's how it works. Hallelujah. Number two. How did Jesus teach us to make impact? Number two. Go. Go. And so he says, All power is given to me in heaven and on earth. And he says, go ye therefore. So there is using the power, but there is also going in the name of the power. Do you get it? Yes, you, you take advantage of the power in the place of prayer, but you don't just sit down in your room and be praying. You come up with intelligent ways to get that gospel across. Amen. Amen. 
Some of you is your roommates. You have been timing them. Your roommates in school or at home. You are timing them like this. I remember there was, there was a roommate of mine when I was in final year. Um, he was just so unserious. He, you know, there are just people who just want to live life, just flex. I said, I'll time this person. So every morning I'll wake up. Very shortly, not to disturb anybody, just on my bed, I'll just bring out my iPad, keep it beside my head, and play um, a, a, a recording of Dr. Ravi Zacharias, just arguing or teaching on... You, how many of you know who Ravi Zacharias was? Yeah, he was? He was an apologist. If you don't know what an apologist is, an apologist is someone who gives defense. So he used to give defense for the Christian faith using logic and reasoning. I would just play it and keep it on my bed and be praying. Just praying. I, it's, not, it's not that I would go and say, eh, Mr. Jatala, because you need to change. Change your ways. Listen, be smart now. Do you get what I'm saying? The woman at the well, Jesus did not just meet and say, you. Five husbands. The one you are with now is not your husband. You need help. You need, do you know that's not what Jesus, he knew. Did he know or not? He knew. But he started with conversation with, give me water to drink. Be smart, be intentional. Praise the Lord. Don't just go to your roommate. Do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know how many times they've heard that statement before? There is a season within which that statement will make perfect sense. Do you understand? If you are in that season, say it. But there are other ways to make a thing happen. Hey, your roommate will say, let's go out for drinks. You say, no problem. I won't drink, but I'll go out with you. But you will follow me to church on Sunday. Do we have a deal or not? But you actually need to go out and do the work. Praise the Lord. And when you are going out to do the work, I want you to be influence conscious. What do I mean? Prioritize your sphere of influence first. Let me say it in another way. Changing the world starts from changing your home. Do you get it? Changing the world. You cannot change the world if your house has not changed you. If the people in your home are not changed. So you will start your... There's a way I wrote it. Let me, let me, just, let me just dictate it to you. Your attempt to change the world must begin from your immediate sphere of influence your street evangelism must be an overflow of your home evangelism because what I've discovered is that nowadays street evangelism is a way for many Christians to stroke their ego I evangelized I was out on Saturday from 7am all the way to 1pm winning souls for the gospel and you stroke your ego you feel good did you follow up the people you want no where are they today we don't know so you might have caught the fish and slipped it back into the river without knowing 
So your street evangelism must be an overflow. Oh, so you have done it so much at home, there is nobody to talk to at home. So you start outside. You've done it in the house. You've done it in the office. You've done it in school. Everybody in your sphere of influence aligns with you. Ah, okay. Let me now start expanding. Do you understand? One of the reasons why we used to have our country, our beloved, blessed mother Nigeria, is because they will come and say that Syria alone is in war. Nigeria will now be sending money to Syria alone. Nigeria. That we need money. We are hungry in this country. You are now sending money to them. Uh, that, uh, is it Niger? And Nigeria supplies Niger lights. And they have 24 hours lights. Do you have lights in your house now? Charity begins at home. Be influence conscious. That woman, when Jesus had spoken to her, she ran to the city and said, come and see. She didn't just, listen, she didn't go to the king. She started from calling her family people. The family people will call their family people. Those ones will call their own friends. Before you know what's going on, the entire city has heard. Be influenced. So these three names you have written down, they are within your sphere of influence. Now you are going to be conscious about getting, give yourself a timeline prayerfully in four months these people will be saved and established in church do you understand ah yes not just saved though saved and established then after those four months maybe in six months day two they will now have timeline for another three people that's the way god wants it to work that you catch 300 foxes you tie their tails together, you light the tail, and let the 300 foxes go into the field. And when the 300 foxes run into the field, the entire field will catch fire. Not because you went around lighting fire on every particular plant and leaf, but you started from the sphere of influence and allowed it to spread. Do you understand? Be impact conscious. And I'm not even just talking about using your movies or using your, your talents to glorify God now. There is that. I've talked about it severally this month. What I'm talking about now is evangelism. Particularly preaching the gospel. Do you hear what I'm saying? Learn how to seize opportunity. Praise the Lord. So let me tell you what's going to happen now. Pastor Shenke runs an organization. It's an evangelism outfit. And they do great. So we're going to set up trainings on how to interact, how to preach the gospel. Do you understand? We'll set up trainings on how to smartly reach your friends for the gospel. If we have to do it online, we'll do it online. If we have to pay for a venue to make sure we get that done, we'll pay. Ah, but you will learn, no? So this month of February, we are going in. I want you to be intentional. Starting from today, be intentional. Be influence conscious. 
in my sphere of influence are there people who are lost and need help how can I open my mouth and be making declaration, going outside to preach to people on the streets when I have a brother in the house I haven't preached to I have a sister in the house I haven't preached to what kind of hypocrisy is that I was saying something to Pastor Shane on Saturday that the way the culture of evangelism that we have in church this is it that I will have somebody at home that is not saved. I will go out and try to save people. And my hope is that this is my brother at home that is not saved. He too, he will be walking on the street one day and another stranger from somewhere will come and save him. How practical is that? Say, I will preach the gospel. Ah, say it too. Say, I will preach the gospel. Praise the Lord. Listen, in this church, we believe in using your skill, using your money for the gospel, uh, partnering with the gospel. That's not what I'm teaching about today. What I am teaching about today is preaching the gospel. Do you understand? Let me say it another way. There is no... Uh, uh, spiritual... You know how the Bible says He gave gifts to men. To some, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There is no one of those gifts that is kingdom financier. Do you hear me? Or marketplace apostle? Do you hear me? Yes. Everybody will preach the gospel. Every one of us. Praise the Lord. Don't say my own. Ah, I'm an intercessor. My ministry is to intercede. It is possible that God calls you into an intercessory work where many times he puts burdens on your heart to reach out to people. Listen, that's very possible. It happens. It happens in this church. So I'm not saying that God cannot call you to intercede for people. But your interceding for people should never replace evangelism in your life. I remember then, once going evangelism in school, they will not divide us. The ones that stay back and pray, and the ones that go out and preach, they will not say the ones that stay back and pray are even doing more work. It's a lie. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We will come for evangelism. All of us, we pray. After praying, we will carry our legs and go and preach. Do you hear me? You say, no, that my own work is such a, I'm, I'm welfare. Ministry of helps. You will preach the gospel. And if you think that your money exempts you, your money perish with you. So, you know, it will never be in this church that because you are a high-performing partner, we will not say we are doing evangelism, you won't come out. Why can't you come out? Ah, she buy sold seed. Ah, we'll return your seed to you. We'll return it to you. Right, let's go for evangelism. Nothing, nothing exempts you from this. This is primary ministry, ministry 101. Before you start caring for, I'm saying all of this because it might sound like I'm attacking you. I'm not. But I'm saying it so that it will get to you. I know God has put a burden in your hearts for women and children. Evangelize first. 
Did you hear me? Before your women and children outfits, you had a ministry. It was called the Ministry of Reconciliation. Before I planted Circle Church, I had a ministry. So now that I have planted Circle Church, my ministry has not stopped. Do you get it? Uh So I'll preach the gospel here and preach the gospel outside too. Do you understand? Good. I will not I will not say oh as I'm a pastor now that's the problem because a lot of a lot of church workers don't preach the gospel again you just enter church leadership position I'm like ah we are good no you still preach the gospel you seize opportunities I remember the other time when I was house hunting I was you know how house hunting is in Lagos how stressful it, I was house hunting. One agent, we went to one place, we were waiting for the people to come and unlock the door. We we're just sitting down there. I just asked him, What church do you go to? It's very simple, though. What church do you go to? I don't really go to church. Are you serious? So, what do you do on Sunday morning? Do you at least stream service? He said, No, I, I, eventually they will get to. I don't believe in all this church thing. Ah, thank you for saying that. Thank you so much for this beautiful question that you have asked me because now I'm ready to start talking. Why? Why don't you believe? Let's talk about it. Do you understand? It's very simple. The guy has come to church a number of times. I think he traveled. That's why he's not in church now. You can, you, you have work to do. I'm busy nine to five is not an excuse. You are becoming like the world. You are too concerned with what the world is doing. What I will eat, what I will eat, my money, my, your food. Hey, God, Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't think about it. You will die one day. And when you die, God is not going to ask you the type of clothes you wore or whether you used iPhone 13 or iPhone 12. He, didn't, he, was not, he does not care. Whether it was Android you were using, he does care if you use Android because he doesn't want it. It's not his will. <laughs> I'm just joking. That's a joke. But God is not going to care about what kind of phone you used or what kind of... Um, car you drove he just has one concern what did you do with my son Jesus what do you do with the Holy Ghost I put inside of you what did you do with it you now tell him that God now you know there are levels now it gets to a point where I know before my own hand I was talking to a lady and she said she, she said there's this guy that, that drives her back home from work you know how um, you, you, you live around the same area with someone he has a car so you follow him to work and go back home so there's this guy that drives her back home from work and I said oh that's great um, the conversation somehow spiraled into the fact that he wasn't a Christian so I said stop have you ever preached to him before she said ha now pastor t- to be honest that's crossed my mind though but if I now offend him and he says he wants to stop driving me home from work. I said two things. Number one, you have just told me that you believe somewhere in the corner of your heart that the gospel is offensive to people. And then number two, you have also told me that you are not willing to sacrifice your comfort for that person's life. And I hate to sound like a Nigerian Nollywood Christian movie or a Mount Zion movie, but on the last day, that person is going to be walking towards hell if nobody ever gets to that person. And he will look back and see you walking into heaven and he will hate you for everything. Blame you for all the opportunities you had but didn't use. 
You think you love your friend by not preaching the gospel to them? You don't. You think you are preserving your relationship? And do you know what is funny? If that friend finds out or gets to know what the gospel is and changes, they will question you. They will question you. They will say, why is it that you saw me living my life like this and you didn't say, Oga, stop, oh. They will question you. If you have a friend that you know needs the gospel and you have never preached to them, I'm not saying do it tomorrow. I'm saying as you go back now, now, today, after service, go and do it. Take it as an instruction from God. It is God that is talking to you. Go now as you get home or get to school or get to wherever you are going to. On your way home, send them a text message. We need to talk. Oh, but I am shy. Being shy never stopped you from doing things that you really believe in. Do you understand? When I tell people, oh, do this, you say I'm shy. If they call you for a job interview, will you go there? I say, oh, stop it. <laughs> so tell me about yourself. Really? Stop it. When they say, tell me about yourself, you say, my name is, I am, I have, and I want. <laughs> right? You don't say, ah, I'm shy. I would, have, I would have told you guys, but ah, I do normally shy. So I'm shy is not an excuse to not preach the gospel. I'm an introvert. It's not an excuse to not preach the gospel. Do you hear me? Because introverts, if they snatch your wig in public, you will slap the person. Have I lied? That introvert will wait outside. <laughs> so preach the gospel. Some of you introverts, I've seen you argue with conductor for change. Or should I stop talking about it? <laughs> introvert, introvert, conductors owe you 15. And I say, what's wrong with you? I mean, you want to see the other side? Which other side of you? And you cannot preach the gospel. You are shy. But you can argue for 15 era. 15 era. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Lord, as a church, we renew our commitment to the gospel in the name of Jesus. Have you written your three names down? Good. Your church loves you and we help you. We printed a card. Many of you have it on your seats. That has my own face. We have fine girls in this church, amen. My one Didi. They have their faces on the card. Right. And the card says something like, I would love to invite you to church. I would love to invite you there's space. You so you write the person's name. What we are going to do is that we are going to give you two more because now we've written three names. Praise the Lord. So now, see those three names you wrote. Pray, write their name on the card. I'm not saying write their name as in, when you now write their name, angels will now start working on it. No. Write their names down. Speak to them. Invite them to church. Do you hear what I am saying? Do you hear what I am saying? Because if you don't do it, now you're wasting two resources. The power of God and the card that we printed. Praise the Lord. So, this week 
we'll set up this week we would set up um, a follow-up system to help you you know teach you trainings on how to talk to them and all of that but even before we set it up write their names down and actually invite them you know in circle church we don't like to say do it we are monitoring you because i for one believe that if you're if you're only doing it because you are being monitored you're not doing it right do you understand so i might never call you might i might i might not but i might never call you and ask you did you do it did you get your three names have you invited them i might never ask and nobody might ask you so take it as a personal milestone in your walk with god we have made it easy for you some of you would lazily write their name down you won't say anything to them you'll just give them the card we forgive you but we've made it easy for you to reach out to people listen let me tell you any excuse anybody gives you for not following you to church is not valid except maybe there are some valid ones but most of the excuses we hear are not valid. i live far from where your church is where do you work where's your house <laughs> praise the lord praise the lord i know someone that stays at yanokpaja and works in ikoi every morning do you know how stressful that is ikpaja to ikoi every morning just wake up and start going to ikoi and then you now say your church is in yaba come to come and come come and hear god's word and be changed you say it's too far monday to saturday it was not too far please oh praise the lord praise the lord someone gave a report um she had been close to someone a christian friend and she was asking one of our pastors some questions and he answered the questions and she said the funny thing is i've known this person for so long and i've had these questions for as long and i haven't gotten answers don't be that kind of a friend don't have the solution to your friend's problems and you don't see them and many times we underestimate how much these people need salvation yesterday pastor david and i we were watching the live stream um from i think it was harvesters and then we saw in the comment section we saw one lady's name and i was like uh-uh pastor david was like uh-uh she was notorious in school like notorious is notorious doesn't even begin to cut it she was extremely notorious. She was no, you know what? Anything you think of that people are notorious for in school, she was it. She did it. Do you understand? And then we saw her name in the stream and it occurred to me that there is the possibility that we see all those are our friends and we don't know that deep, that deep down these people need Jesus. They know they need Jesus. They want to change. They look like they are so comfortable in their, in their ways that it doesn't look like they want to change, but they do. And many times you are God's opportunity for them. You are God's opportunity. You are God reaching out to them. So if God is reaching out to them through you, but you are not reaching out, then you're not doing well. Praise the Lord. Did you learn something this morning?
Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.